Thank you, musicians. That is really hot. All right. Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading verse 25 to the end. Matthew chapter 6. It's between Genesis and Revelation. Matthew 6, 25, and the end of that chapter. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore... Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let me pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving us another day in which we can glorify and enjoy you. Lord, I ask that you um, help me speak today. Please open the hearts and the minds of these kids and these students who are eager to learn about you. Lord, please help us to know that we are free from anxiety. Please give us this promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there's a guy, the name John Parrott. I think I'm saying his last name correctly. He was the former youth pastor at a church called Pear Orchard. Uh, Pear Orchard was actually, I don't know if any of you know Wilson Van Hooser. You've seen him preach at King's Cross, and he's also my old campus minister from RUF. So he, he also was the pastor, uh, one of the youth leaders at Pear Orchard. Anyway, John Parrott moved from youth ministry to being uh, the resource director for RYM, and I was researching this topic that we're discussing today, which I've affectionately called birds, flowers, and anxiety. I stumbled across several sermons that he preached at RYM, and here's what he had to say. So I'm going to read verbatim his quote. What's your typical day filled with? School, homework, Tests, sports, work. What are some of the relationships that we deal with? People who make you laugh, people who make you cry, people who make you mad, people who make you annoyed. What do you think about during the day? School, sports, maybe movies, girls, boys, money, future, your body, their body, dating, sex, Snapchat, music, Instagram, celebrities, video games, TikTok, and YouTube. In this current cultural climate, middle and high school students are among the most stressed people. 
Worry, anxiety, and depression among students are the highest in history. But God's word speaks to every moment in human history. God and his sovereignty wanted you to live in this current time. So how do we deal with the stresses of life? How can we deal with anxiety and worry in a helpful way? So that was his quote to kind of bring his students into the talks that he gave over worry and anxiety. So as we move on through this, what is the definition of worrying? Does anyone want to take a stab at it? Just raise your hand. What do you think it means to worry? Uncertainty about something? Yeah. That's a good definition. Webster defined it as, to worry means to give way to anxiety or unease, allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulties or trouble. I'll reword that. Another way to look at it is being stressed about what you can't control. Worrying is being stressed about what you can't control. Have you ever felt this tension that goes through your shoulders and your neck and uh, leads to these headaches? And you don't always know why, but you just, you're tense and you're tired for some reason. Or maybe your worry looks more like you're afraid that your friend group likes you a little bit less than the other members of the friend group because maybe you're not as smart or athletic. Maybe you're not as good looking as everyone in the group. Maybe you're not as funny. In the back of your mind, you're worried that your friends don't truly like you as much as everyone else. They don't quite fit in. Maybe you worry that you're going to lose a loved one. Go through the pain of experiencing death, either be a friend or a family member. Or maybe you're worried that you've experienced it and you're going to experience it again. I don't know about you guys, but I've been pretty honest throughout this last semester and summer about I've dealt with anxiety and worry for a lot of my life. And I used to not think I actually dealt with it. I used to think I was a pretty happy individual most of the time and didn't really have a care in the world. Uh, But as life progressed, more and more uncertainty came up in my life. And I realized I, I am ridden with anxiety a lot more than I think. And I'm just good at hiding it. So these symptoms, the tension, worrying that friends might not like you as much, worrying that you're going to lose a loved one, worrying that you're going to lose another loved one, those are all things that I've experienced over a lot of my life. I've laid awake, and I'm sure a lot of you have, late at night because you're so scared about what's happening tomorrow, whether it be a basketball game or a giant test or you know you have a meeting and you're really stressed out about it. That's all signs of this worry and anxiety that we have. The devil latches on to those moments of uncertainty. You're incredibly vulnerable when you're lying in bed at 3 in the morning worried about the next day. Do you think your natural inclination in those moments is to think about God and his promises? No. It's to stress about what's happening the next day. Or you said something to your friends and now you're worried how they think of you. Or you did something embarrassing and now you think that you've lost credibility with your friends. This is where the devil wants you, and the world does not help. So we've talked about what worrying is. We described it's an uncertainty about that future. We've also talked about what it might look like in your life. So I want to talk about why is it that we worry. 
Worry and anxiety are ultimately a result of us not trusting God's word. Worry and anxiety are ultimately a result of us not trusting God's word. The mistrust comes from either one of two places. You can, you can worry because, one, God doesn't keep his promises. That could be one source of worry. If you view God as someone who might not actually go through with what he said, you have all the reason to actually worry. Or we worry because we have a sinful heart and a sinful nature that distrusts a holy God. Does that make sense? So you either have one of two places. So it's either God's fault or it's your fault. And I'm here to tell you, it's not God's fault. It's not. The Bible is full of examples of God keeping his promises to his people, and yet his people still mistrusting him. The whole Bible, you read it all the way, cover to cover, and you'll find that God has been consistent in promising and delivering on those promises. And yet we still find ways to distrust it. So I want to show you that it's not God's fault. So unfortunately, it's our fault and our sinful nature. Anxiety is common. It's very common, becoming even more common. But it's not natural to our actual state. I'll compare it to death. Death happens to everybody. But death ultimately is not natural to where and how we were created. It's result of the fall. And that is the same with anxiety, because I don't want you to justify, well, anxiety just, it's happened. It's, it's, it's so common that it's almost second nature to us. I'm going to say, it's not though. Because even though that might seem kind of comforting, leaning back and going, well, I can't kind of control it. Ultimately, you're not helping the problem, right? If you're stuck in anxiety and justifying it by saying, it's natural for me to be anxious, I'm going to say, ultimately, it's not natural. It's a result of us falling from God's, the original way that God created us. That's why it feels so harmful to us. That's why death stings so much harder, because it's not what's supposed to happen. Does that make sense? It's not natural. Verse 26 Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? If we read something like that, and we still go into an anxiety-ridden state or worry, then we do have to be honest with ourselves. We're blatantly distrusting what those words say. If we don't admit that that comes from a sinful heart, so if you're over here saying, well, it's natural to me, then you're claiming that God cannot or will not go forward with his promises. So I'm trying to help you guys understand that worry is a result of the fall, and it's not good. I know you guys feel, you understand that it's not a good feeling, it's not an enjoyable feeling, but I'm going to say it is distrusting God. And I'm not up here, you know, wagging my finger at you, how dare you distrust God. I'm here saying I do the same thing. I have, uh, I experience altitude sickness, uh, mild, not queasiness, but like my throat, my nose, my head are all feel like it's being constricted right now. And due to that, and due to the, just the natural nature of publicly speaking, I'm, I'm honest, I, go, I was pretty anxious this morning about it. And I had one of those moments of, am I really going to talk to these kids and these students and not practice 
some of these encouragements. So this morning I sat down and I just said, God, please help me find the words to say. And I mostly want the Spirit to just hit your hearts with these truths. Not by my own words, by the, the, the Spirit working. But I was anxious even this morning, and I've been preparing this lesson for weeks. So that's not to discourage you that it's never going to get better. I just want you to understand that I'm talking to you as someone who also deals with anxiety. Whether or not you are consciously thinking that God cannot or will not do it, that is what we're feeling when we are anxious, right? And I said this before, and I'll say it again. The world doesn't stop you from thinking that. It only encourages you to think that. I want to pull a Casey and write a word on the board. I'm not going to draw an angel. I lied. I wrote two words. The world says you are in control. This kind of overlaps, I would imagine, with some of the other themes throughout this week. But the world says, you're in control, you decide what you are, you make your own truth, follow your heart. It's all about you. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The world tells us that we're the ones that give significance to our life, and that just draws us to think about me, 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 me. And of course, why would we not get anxious about that? If you have aspirations of being a successful academic, which I imagine some of you do, then throughout middle school, you better get good grades, but especially in high school, you better excel get into AP classes, do really well, uh, go over your test, do well on the test, develop a good testing uh, routine. And then from there, you better have good college applications. You better accept the right college. And from there, you better go and get the right degree. And throughout college, you better not mess up. Your GPA better be perfect, or else you're not going to attain this next step. And when you graduate, where are you going to go? Higher education? Well, you're an academic. You're supposed to. And you just keep on going and keep on going. And ultimately... That will fail if you fail, right? In high school, you're signed up for all these classes. You're going to graduate 4.0 GPA, and then all of a sudden, you get anxious about a test, and you do poorly on it. Tanks your grade. Get into college. It's super stressful. The, you have, let's say you're a mechanical aerospace engineer. I have a friend who is one. And it's busy, and it requires high-level thinking. And he's so stressed because of the amount of workload that he's undertaking and it's only amplified by the, the works base that often comes with that. The world says, you make your destiny, so you better not mess up. If you have aspirations of being an athlete, you better do well in high school. You better be on the grind in high school, work out well, practice well, develop good team membership. From there, you better have good D1 offers. From there, you better accept a good school. From there, you better excel throughout college. From there, you better go to the professional leagues. Because if you're not, you're pretty much a failure as an athlete, right? But when you're in college, what happens when you have an ACL tear and the rest of your professional athletic career goes to waste? Are you not going to live from high school to professional with this 
anxiety-ridden worry that at any moment you could roll an ankle and it break, actually? Do you see what I'm saying? We have all this, you, 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 you better perform well, and then we get into a result where we're now anxious that we can't perform well. And here's the thing. You will never perform well. The world tells you that you are in control. You make the worth of your life. Set standards on a pedestal, and that sends fear into us that we might not achieve these. And now, this is kind of getting into one of our other lectures, but here's how I'm spinning it back to anxiety. We are told to follow your heart as if our hearts aren't sinful, as if your heart isn't the one that leads you to bitterness and anger and jealousy and lust. We're told that we make our own truth as if truth is subjective. That goes all the way back to the fall. It could be through social media, movies, friends, or even parents that tell you, you have to be good enough. You have to better, you have to prepare more, and you make your own destiny. And I'm here to tell you that you cannot. You will never be good enough. You will never prepare well enough. You'll never make a plan good enough that will never fail. I'm not going to leave you here. Stay with me. Here's the conclusion. The world tells us it's all about you. You have to go in well. And we end with two words that I think are among the most beautiful words in the entire scripture. The two words are but God. Ephesians 2, 4. I'll just read this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of your own doing. What I just say, you will never be good enough. You will never be good enough. But God is and was good enough for you. Not results of work, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. But God is one of the most beautiful phrases you can hear because it tells you that you don't have to be good enough. God was good enough. This whole text I just read from Ephesians 2, and we studied this over the last semester, we are free from the anxiety that we have to be good enough. But God means that we are free from the anxiety that we have to be good enough. This should make us have so much relief. And I know we have a forgetful mind, so we have to be reminded. But y'all, think about this. If you are stressed that you are not doing well enough, or you're not as good of a Christian as your friend sitting next to you, or your parents expect you to be even better at performance, I'm here to tell you that but God, that's the phrase you need to remember we are free from the anxiety that we have to be good enough in Christ. This begs the question, however, 
If you don't have Christ, why aren't you more anxious? What do you possibly have to stand on? I'm being honest here. If you don't have Christ, you should be a lot more anxious than you are because that means you're not actually thinking about reality. And here's the great part. You don't have to clean yourself up before you come to God. This camp is a beautiful opportunity for you to talk with a sponsor or to me or to a pastor shut and say, can you help me? And we'll guide you through how to repent and pray. You don't have to clean yourself up. We're free from that anxiety. So if you don't have Christ, this is the week. Do it today. Repent. Believe. You are free from anxiety. We are promised that. This promise doesn't extend to everybody. Luke 12, 29 through 34 basically repeats the same thing that we read in Matthew. But I want to read the ending of it. So it has the same, why are you worried about your life? Why are you worried about clothing, about food? Is life more, consider the birds. They're pretty insignificant. God still feeds them. Consider the lilies. They don't do anything. And God still clothes them with beauty. Are you not more worth than them? That's, it's, it's saying the same thing. However, listen to this. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. God knows you. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms, providing yourself money bags, which you do not grow old. A treasure in heaven that does not fail. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to highlight that God has great pleasure in relieving your anxiety. So if you're worried, but you believe in Christ, these are promises that show us that we have nothing to worry about. Okay, as I wrap up, stay with me here. I want to read several passages, and I just want you to listen to them. These passages are promises for us to think and meditate on to help us during anxiety, okay? Romans 8, 38, 39, excuse me. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you hear what I just read? Yo, this is crazy. Does that not make you sigh with relief? There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. How does that not just go... That relieves so much anxiety because the world tells us that you have to be good enough and you're not. So now you're worried that God doesn't love you because you still fail. Is there a habitual sin that you're still dealing with? That it crushes you because you're still, after all this time, you're still not doing better and you doubt that God loves you because he's probably frustrated at you. Right here, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's a promise to cling on to. Here's another one. Humble yourself, 1 Peter 5, 7, excuse me. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Listen to this. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Again, did you hear what I just read? Why should we give God our anxieties? Because he cares for you. 
God is not up there as a judge going, wow, you failed again. Well, I, I told you you're free, so I mean, that's all right. But has this like tension of his own where it's like, I don't like the people that I saved. He cares for you. And that's why in prayer, it's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing for you to tell God that you're anxious. Last one I'll read. John 14, 27. Listen to this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The Lord doesn't offer peace like the world does. The world tells you it's about you. You have to achieve. You have to do better. You develop your own truth. And God so says, I'm good enough. And yet I still love you. And that we can lean heavily on. So I just encourage you, when you are having moments of doubt, moments of anxiety this week, and through school and the busyness, as I read in the beginning, our lives are so busy. And we hide our anxiety really well a lot of times. I'm here to tell you, lean on God. But God, he was better. He was perfect. He lived a blameless life. And he didn't do that with a grudge towards you because you can't do better. God loves you. He cares about you. I proved it with those passages. If you are in Christ, you have these promises. Lean on them. Okay? Let me close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and the comfort that it gives us and the ability for us to look back again and again because our distrusting hearts forget so much. We forget that you love us and we forget that you're there for us. So Lord, please help us to lean on these promises and not lean on our own standards, not lean on the world, not be distracted by that, but to know that because we are yours, we are free from anxiety. Jesus' name, amen.